Hey guys, in today's episode, we will cover the Evergrande saga before diving into our stock pick of the week, Foot Locker. Welcome to the Ring It to Dollar podcast. I am Nico. And I am Andrew. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the weekly news on the stock market, discussing investment strategies, personal finance, and analyzing stocks. We also have a YouTube channel, and if you haven't checked that out yet, just go to YouTube and search Ring It to Dollar. Welcome back to the Ring It to Dollar podcast. And I would like to welcome my one and only person on the podcast all the time, Nico. How are you, Nico? <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How have you been? Uh, okay. Uh, could have been better, but let's not whine and say that this is wrong, that is right. Um, you want to know one person that should be whining? Uh, it should be Evergrande. Have you, have you heard of the Evergrande saga, Nico? Um, I think most people who are paying attention to the whole finance and investing world probably would have at least seen the uh, <laughs> uh, saga that's unfolding, right? They mm-hmm. would see it in the highlights and YouTube and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. What, what do you think about it? Well, actually, before I give you what I think about it, right? Let's understand a little bit what is actually going on, right? Because mm, yeah. we don't really understand. Some people might not really understand. So let's see. So... Earlier last week, right, on Monday, there was a big sell-off in the market. And obviously, me being me, I'm like 9.30 p.m. in Malaysia. And I was like, yo, what, what is going on? Why is there a big sell-off? And then I opened the news and I'm like reading it like, oh, oh okay, someone's uh, in big debt. And mm. I, first of all, I opened the news and I saw Evergrande, which I couldn't pronounce at first. So <laughs> I pronounced it as Evergrande. Right? <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> So, yeah, no wrong answers. <laughs> so I, I went in and I'm like, what what is Starbucks half cup doing here or whatever? And <laughs> I soon realized that it was actually a Chinese company and mm. they are a real estate company, one of the second largest real estate company in China. And they have over three hundred billion of billion dollars of debt. Well, three hundred billion dollars is a lot of money, but well, in the real estate world debt is important right? it's impossible to build a house with no debt mm. uh, there's two things that's really important in real estate uh, your l- land bank right your land bank and also how much debt you take to build this uh, property that is my own opinion by the way yeah. so then we go and read further in the news and people are panicking a whole lot people are saying that boys and girls, okay, this is uh, gender neutral <laughs> stuff. So, but ladies and gentlemen, uh, the 2008 saga is here. And people are like, oh shit, the 2008 is back. Everyone run for the hills, right? The, mm. the big flood is coming. And yeah, people are just running all over the place. And the stock market took a massive nosedive. So, but to understand that, right? It's actually a whole different nature of business. The Lehman Brothers who started the whole mayhem, the whole domino effect in 2008 was not actually a real estate company, right, Nico? It was an investment banking company. Yeah. But Evergrande, Evergrande, okay, Evergrande, not Evergrande, <laughs> right? Evergrande is actually a real estate company. So from the beginning, right, we have two different business nature. From the outside world, it looks the same, but it actually isn't, right? It's like, Football and futsal, or some of you guys in America uh, in America would say the NFL and rugby, right? It's mm. the same structure, looks the same, but it's actually a whole different game, right? So 
being a real estate company, they obviously will require high level of debt. And three hundred billion of three hundred billion of dollars, they are actually on the brink of bankruptcy. So the big problem here is that Evergrande or Evergrande, whatever you want to call them, is due to pay an eighty billion dollar bond loan, right? So. Uh, as we all understand, uh, when a bond is issued, they have to give out coupons, right? From mm-hmm. every now and then. So they are supposed to pay $80 million. And there is actually a 30-day grace period. So people were panicking that saying like last week, Thursday, oh, if Evergrande doesn't pay the, the, the required amount of sum, then they are going to default, right? Mm-hmm. They're defaulting on the coupon. Well, let's just be real. Junk bond is always junk. So <laughs> that that's their problem. But the people don't really understand that before you default on a bond, you actually have a 30-day grace period. It's like when you rent a place from someone, right? Or today you're a landlord and you rent it to someone and that person doesn't pay you on the first. Let's just say you collect your rent every day, every month on the first. And this guy somehow, he lost some money in poker and he can't pay you on the first. But he said, don't worry, I'll get your money on the seventh and I'll repay you uh, on the first again every month you mm. are more likely to give him a little bit of leeway but then you give him like 15 days he still doesn't pay then you start to be kind of like yo what the fuck where's my money right and yeah. if two months go by three months go by then you're like yo i think it's time to get the fuck out so there's always a 30 days grace period for bonds uh, i'm not so sure about the other types of bonds but it's also the same in our day-to-day basis we don't just uh you miss one day and we kick you out. It's also the same for your phone bill, right? If you don't pay on time one day, then they will send you warnings and stuff like that. And eventually they cut it off. So yeah, but unfortunately, right? The fact still remains that they are due another 650 million by the end of the year and 7.4 billion by next year. With this story, right, Nico, Mm, let, let me ask you this question. What is your thought of the Evergrande, Evergrande, Everventi, whatever (laughs) saga? What is your thoughts on it? I mean, like, I think it's a lot of noise. Uh, like, you, you know how I don't like these fear mongers, as mm-hmm. I call them, on YouTube. And mm-hmm. they like to just over-promote this stuff just to try and get clicks and people to follow in on the hype that, oh, here's the next market crash that I've previously warned you about. The last five didn't happen, but this one's happening. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm, I'm quite bored and tired of this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like when I saw it, I, I started reading into it and I realized that most probably at worst case scenario, it will be contained within China. That's my main conclusion. Then I just didn't bother about it anymore. La. If mm-hmm. I might be wrong for sure, of course. I mean, I'm not some analyst or I'm not some well-educated guy in the financial sector, but my brief overview of the whole situation is it's if let's say a company in Malaysia had the same issue, right? If mm-hmm. let's say you tell me now... Um, Eco World or <laughs> Satya Group has some huge debt, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that that would cause the uh, Singapore market, for instance, to crash. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think there's any correlation. Like, so China is a big economy, yes. US is a big economy, yes. But it has to be like linked together in order for you know the dominoes to actually fall. Mm-hmm. But China being a close, kind of a close country, especially in terms of you know certain aspects. Mm-hmm. The dominoes will fall, 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 and then it won't fall out of the border. So that's mm-hmm. just my, how I see it. Uh. What about you? Well, 
for me, I have a little bit of a different perspective. So what mm. I think that it can happen to fall out of the China ecosystem, I would like to call it an ecosystem, right? Because right. <laughs> imagine like there's a moat around it. <laughs> so yeah, it, it can fall out of China, I feel. But because, well, you see, there's a lot of people that are investing into China, not individuals, right? Not retail investors, but banks, right? Banks or mm. uh, institutions that invest into China. And it can be if, uh, impacted to them. So if a bond defaults, right, now I don't get paid and I have my other obligations or my options or whatever, and I will have to sell that off. So it might have a small domino effect, a small s- snowball effect, but I don't think it's going to collapse the entire economy. I don't see it as such a big problem as the Lehman Brothers. Well, one thing I say that is not such a big problem is that as a real estate company, you actually have assets, right? So mm. you can actually liquidate your assets and say, uh, I can't pay you $300,000 in bonds and in cash, but I have this one nice uh, penthouse that you can take for 600000 uh, would you like it? Uh, I that's all I have. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you you can liquidate your your apartment or your penthouse or whatever, which they have a lot of assets, but most of them are still being built. So mm. there are some rumors saying that they might go on zombie mode, meaning like they're just waiting to die, but they just complete their projects and just liquidate everything and close shop. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's also some other rumors saying that the Chinese government can just come in and take a certain portion of the company and start running it themselves. Um, right. I don't want to speculate, right? I'm, the speculating is really not going to bring me anywhere, not going to bring you anywhere as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, just have to see what happens. And as for my Baba stock, um, it will be impacted if it's a big domino effect within China itself. Mm-hmm. But, well, fundamentally, Baba is still a separate entity, right? It's yeah. not ever grand. <laughs> Right, so fundamentally, the company's still great, uh, in mm. my opinion. So I, I'm not worried. If, if there's anything I should be worried about is when they start messing up with the VIE structure or anything that we have previously spoken about. But yeah. this Evergrande saga doesn't really bother me that much, in you know, all honesty. But mm. when we were first reading, it was interesting. But you want to know what else is interesting, Nico? What? What else is interesting is that I got my Air Jordans from Foot Locker. What? No, I'm kidding. I got my headquarters <laughs> from JD. <laughs> but I, I, I see Food Locker there, which is our stock pick of the week. Shall we move there, Nico? Let's go. Um, time for a segment we call Stock Pick of the Week. Do note that this is neither a buy nor a sell call for these stocks, but rather an open discussion. If you would like us to cover a specific stock, DM us on Instagram at ringgit2 underscore, and we'll line it up in following episodes. So... For this week's stock pick of the week, we'll be covering Foot Locker. So wait, the, like, okay, so uh, we were talking about this previously about, you know, the shoes and Air Jordans and you, you're mm-hmm. telling me that there's a Foot Locker in Malaysia and I was a bit like dumbfounded because like I was in KL maybe a few years ago. Two years I, ago, yeah. Two years ago, yeah. So yeah. And even at that point of time, like I knew there were no Foot Lockers in KL. Like, yeah. Not even in KLCC, not in none of the malls. Mm-hmm. But so now there is a Foot Locker. There is a Foot Locker actually in um, IOI City Mall. The, the very mall that we used to hang out a lot when we were kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I say when we were kids, it's like we're fucking old now. We're not, right? We're just, mm-hmm. It's just like two years ago. Yeah, Two years <laughs> ago, there was, there was no Foot Locker, but they opened up. Uh, I'm not so sure when. I think the day after you moved, they opened it. 
Of course. <laughs> <laughs> classic. Classic. <But laughs> they have the the jersey and stuff. The first time I I walked mm. up, I walked past it last year, I was like, "Oh." And I didn't understand much of the uh, right. the sneakers and stuff like that. Uh, before I got my Air Jordans. So I went in and I was like looking for Air Jordans and they had Air Jordans. And funny enough, they were the only store that had Air Jordans in the entire mall because, well, Air Jordans is a little bit in hype and people mm. like to buy and resell yeah. them and they like to hoard them, right? So they were the ones that were having <laughs> it. Unfortunately, the color was shit, so I didn't get it. I waited and waited and I got mine later on the next store of uh, mm-hmm. Foot Locker which is jd.com which is another shoe yeah. company and that's in China right that's another interesting company by the way but yeah Foot Locker is in Malaysia right now and for you guys that are in Malaysia and you haven't visited Foot Locker it's not paid by Foot Locker <laughs> by the way but yeah you can go to IOI and check them out yeah they they're relatively more quiet and cons- uh, not so busy right. compared to JD.com. Are they yeah. still wearing I mean, their free yeah. uniforms? Oh. Yeah, their workers? If I'm not mistaken, they do. They, they, because the, the logo had the referee uniform. Right. But you know me, when I go to stores, I don't really talk to anyone. I just look <laughs> myself and the guy comes over. Can I help you? I'm like, ah, no, no, it's no, okay. No, 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 just looking. It's okay. I have $10 in my wallet. Your shoe cost me 500. I don't have money. <laughs> yeah. So to start the story of Foot Locker, right, Nico, which I'm pretty sure you know, there was this one guy, Kinney's, right, Nico? Mm, yeah. Yeah, so Kinney's and his dad, Kinney, was, uh, let, let's call him Kinney Senior. I can't remember his name, actually. Did mm, you know his okay. name? No, I do not. Uh, yeah. yeah, Kinney let's Senior. Him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kinney Senior, right? He had uh, a business and he was actually a bad businessman. In, in all honesty, he wasn't the best, right? The reason why mm-hmm. he wasn't the best businessman is because that he kept be giving people credit terms, right? So meaning that you can buy my 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 speaker, but then you pay me later, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously that is not a good system in the 1800s, in the 1870 plus. Yeah. And then obviously the business went bankrupt and Kinney Jr. came on to take on the depths of Kinney Senior that, uh, because Kinney Senior passed away after a while. Uh, press after respect, by the way. So, uh, Kinney Jr. felt like the resp- uh, he had to take on the responsibility and to take on the debt and stuff. So, he started a shoe company because he was working in a shoe manufacturing place, right, for 10 years. Yeah. So, so imagine 10 years, you're slogging uh, and then you open a shoe place because you've been working there for 10 years. That means he wasn't just working. He was actually paying close attention to every single detail to make sure that he can start his own company. Actually, that's pretty damn smart, honestly. Mm -hmm. So he started his own company in the shoe industry and he started making cheap shoes, right? So making cheap shoes, obviously, uh, it's not the, I won't say it's not the best, but then you have to sell it to cheap like you want you have to find cheap products right because you're selling let's just say you're selling the shoe for five ringgit today and your cost of goods is eight ringgit doesn't make sense you're losing money right so you have to find cheap (laughs) cheap goods right so he had to often buy bulks from uh, manufacturers itself Mm. and he would make them and sell it directly to the lower income bracket so he had targeted the m uh, the m40 b40 i would say 
mm-hmm. right? More, more likely the B40 because he was selling it for cheap. So, but his terms this time was a little bit different from his dad. So his dad said that, you know what? Just come in, pay later, right? His terms yeah. were like just strictly cash, right? Mm-hmm. So yep. strictly cash and stuff like that. And after a while, uh, Mr. Kinney Jr. had to pass on as well. And around 1900s, in the mid-1900s, uh, Kinney's got actually acquired by another company, right, Nico? Yeah, they did. Yeah, so, and they were acquired by another company, which they, they, that company had to sell off because they were also a shoe company and they had antitrust issues. I, I can't believe they have antitrust issues back then as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? so, but it's, it's a good rule to have. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it prevents uh, overly dominant businesses. Keeps mm-hmm. it a bit more fair for the smaller businesses. Yeah. yeah. So that, bis- that, that business that acquired them was already huge and they were shoe manufacturers. So they, they were like, uh, the Department of Justice was like, no, you guys can't do this. It's going to be monopoly right you're going to monopolize the whole market so you're going to have to sell off the company and they did they, they did sell off they sold it to Woolworth am I right Nico? yep yep okay so what is Woolworth Nico? Woolworth is somewhat like a supermarket uh, retail store retail outlet kind of mm. a business yeah retail but like in the old days uh, when yeah. wool was actually worth something <laughs> <laughs> so that's why they call it Woolworth uh, <laughs> I'm actually offended because the only jacket that I have, right, the, the suit kind of jacket is made out of wool and that shit's fucking hot. I can't even wear it anywhere. The <laughs> biggest regret I bought, I, I, I shouldn't even have bought the jacket. It's made out of wool and malicious all year summer. Stupid idea. But whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, they were acquired by Woolworth and Woolworth was a, like so, sort of like a Walmart. And if you guys in Malaysia, you guys don't know what Woolworth is. It's like giant. All right, and mm. then you go to the shoe section, right? And you find like three dollar flip flops, and it tears within two days or something like that. So <laughs> yeah. Giant have their own flip flop sections as well. I, I mean, it's not that bad, lah. Like, the slipper I'm wearing right now at home is from Giant, and it's pretty damn good. So mm. yeah, it's the same concept. Woolworth had uh, acquired Kinney's, and they were starting to sell their shoes in what do you call that? Their, their supermarket, right? In their yeah. stores, and sooner. And after a while, they actually came up with another brand called Foot Locker, right? Under mm-hmm. Kinney's, right, Nico? Yeah, it's basically... So, like, Kinney's actually was just regular footwear. That means, like, they sold mm-hmm. boots, they sold leather shoes and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah. then they actually branched out to try and make, like, an athletic wear kind of uh, department within mm-hmm. Kinney's itself. Yeah, yeah. and so that's, that's when they... Foot Locker. They called Foot Locker, right? So Foot Locker mm. was established, and they were they split up later in nineteen sixty uh, nineteen ninety plus, I think. But within that time, Foot Locker was established in the nineteen eighties, and in the nineteen eighties, Foot Locker's business was going up, but Woolworth's business was going down. So a little bit of conflict, right? How can mm. the parents' business suck and the junior's business do well? So. People were like, damn, what's going on? And very well, Woolworth did uh, die later on as we no longer have them around. But we still have Foot Locker around, which is the, one of the reasons why they are still around is because in the 1980s, right, uh, there was something called uh, athletic sportswear boom, I, I believe. Right? Mm-hmm. In the, like, the first Jordan that was released in this world was 1985. And... Basketball was a big um, uh, catalyst, I would say. It was a big catalyst because 
people would love to buy Converse shoes, right? Yeah. Uh, back then, Converse was a big brand. And everyone would wear Converse shoes, walk around. Everyone would wear athletic shoes, walk around, sports, uh, jogging shoes. It was cool back then. I mean, it's still cool mm-hmm. today. People still wear Air Jordans, right? People yeah. still wear Converse, right? It's still cool today. So there was a big hype going around it. And that's why Foot Locker kind of did well, better than Woolworth and Kinney's. So mm-hmm. is it, a, here's a question for me, from me to you, Nico. Is this pure luck? Or is this actually, um, how do I say this, For, uh, foreseen by the management company of Foot Locker? Um, I think it is not a matter of like foreseen or what. Uh, I, I think the main reason it was able to like boom all of a sudden is due to the length of time that they have had in the industry. Uh-huh. And so when you have that kind of... Uh, Years and years, right? Because they started in the late 1800s, right? Mm-hmm. Making shoes. So over the years, they can refine the whole process and they get their pricing right. They get their systems right. Everything is, you know, well managed and they know what they're doing in the shoe industry. And then they just, all they have to do is put out a bet on what they believe is going to be important mm-hmm. in the next coming years. So in any business or so, you know, you'll have your research and de- development team come back and say hey you know what this thing is um on the rise this thing is trending and will be a mainstream product in the next few years right we should head for that mm-hmm. and so the company can try and um dive into the into that segment or that product but if the company itself does not have like an experienced management team or experienced leadership within that sector it gets very hard you know it gets very mm-hmm. hard to actually grow within there so like a good example I can give for this kind of byproduct companies, right? I, I, I call it like byproduct uh, because Kinney's was the actual shoe business yeah. and Foot Locker was just supposedly a small department in the Kinney's brand. Yeah. So a good example for this is like how Amazon Web Services is in Amazon, right? It was yeah. just another small department that decided to open up, but because they've had long-term... Um, experience within the tech sector within the um hosting and servicing sector as well they brought in the right experts and now like amazon web services is like the biggest portion of amazon right in terms of uh revenue and profitability so yeah for food locker definitely the boom or the rise in the sale of sneakers and aesthetic wear was helpful but Mm -hmm. i'm sure it just re- goes back to their research and development team as well as the experience in the shoe line that they've had mm. over the years. Mm. One thing is because I was thinking, right, was it just pure luck? Because mm. when we had the COVID situation in Malaysia, uh, we know there were certain companies that had multiple folds, let's just say that, right? Like the glove companies and stuff like that. Mm. So... We can't say for glove companies, at least, I'm not saying that glove companies sucks, okay? Uh, that's a whole different topic. But we can't yeah. say the same for the glove companies. We can't say like, hey, we, we predicted COVID and we knew COVID was coming. Mm. So we knew we were in the prime position. Uh, it's not really that case, right? It was just like in a matter of the time and right place at the right time, like Dimitar Berbatov, right? Right place <laughs> yeah. at the right time, the ball drops at my leg, I tap it in. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the, that that was the case for the glove thing, but for the sneakers thing, I wouldn't say it was exactly luck. 
Yeah. I would say they actually had a little bit of uh, research done. They they had the infrastructure set up just in time. You know, like they were there for like a couple of years, three years, four years, and then the boom started happening. Mm-hmm. A little bit of luck for sure. Yeah, obviously a little bit of luck, right? But in order to get to that, to, in order to access that luck, you still have to build your own fortune, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, at, at the end of the day, I, I think it's a, a great business plan, which is still the reason why they are here today. Woolworth yeah. is dead. Uh, Kinnis is, well, for us back. But, well, Foot Locker is still here. And yeah. even in Malaysia now, and in the early 2000s, Foot Locker had close to 2,000 stores. And mm. today, I believe, when I opened the annual report earlier, it's around 3,000. Yeah. So, here's my understanding. That's not a very big jump for 20 years, right, Nico? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. a very big jump. And for in the past year itself, I want to just give you guys this number because I like the numbers, right? I like this numbers partic- particularly. They closed 200 stores, ngam ngam 200, right? Exactly mm-hmm. on the dot. And they opened 69 stores. Nice. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> very wonderful numbers, very nice numbers. So here's my question to you again, Nico. I know you are a value investor. You like value stuff, right? Uh, right. It's, it's bang for bucks and also risk, right? Risk. So what do you think about this? Do you think their business is shrinking, growing, or growing slightly? Or what is going on? Right. So with this, um, actually, what we can do is we can reflect back to our analysis on Costco, right? Mm-hmm. So to our listeners, you know, you can check out one of our previous episodes we covered costco we have uh i think a blog write-up on them as well and so yeah how they relate is that you know they have stores opening and closing as well so when i see these kind of things is normally i believe it's just to optimize the best um how do you say make the business more efficient like yes they closed 200 stores and they opened uh 69 stores so technically <laughs> they're decreasing right yeah and it has been on a decreasing trend since 2016 i believe i the, the furthest i researched to was about 2016 mm-hmm. and it's been slowly reducing year over year but for me personally i believe it's a good thing because it's in line with where the market is headed right everything is going online people are buying things online so they Mm -hmm. are closing off stores and focusing on the premier outlets the ones that Mm -hmm. are doing high in sales right they can then use the other resources to fund their online presence which they are actually currently doing Mm -hmm. they're expanding quite a lot on um, online shopping like looking at their numbers about 28 percent of their revenue of last year came from their digital business i'm actually very surprised with that number nico if i were to be honest with you 28 percent is actually way above my expectation because if i were to buy a shoe today i'm pretty sure it's the same for you as well Mm -hmm. it's a little bit tough for me to buy it online well because shoes comes in different sizes right and shoe is one thing where you cannot wear a little bit too big a little bit too small it has to be just nice or else it'll be flying everywhere it'll be uncomfortable be probably like some bruises or whatever on your leg right you don't want that it's not like buying a t-shirt a t-shirt well if it's too big we call it an oversized t we gotta improvise if it's too (laughs) small we give it to our younger brother or or whatever right a cousin or whatever but for a shoe like uh foot locker right they sell premium shoes as well it's Mm -hmm. not cheap it's yeah. it's a little bit painful for me to give my cousin my Air Jordan one. You know, it's a little yeah. bit painful. It hurts a little bit. So, <laughs> I would want to go and buy a shoe in the retail stores, right? 
aren't, mm-hmm. aren't you the same Nico Would, wouldn't you want to go to the stores and buy it Yeah, I'm like I'm pretty old school. I buy everything at uh, retail stores. <laughs> I uh-huh. don't really buy much things online. But again, like with your concern, it's valid and it's very real. Like I experience the same thing. But uh-huh. here's where creative business ideas come to play, right? So okay. Food Locker, what they're doing is they're not just directly selling it like uh, anything you can buy on Shopee or Amazon. Like it's not just e-commerce. In the sense where you pay money and it'll be delivered to your house, they actually have different options where you can do a mixture of online uh, shopping and physical presence. Oh, so okay. you can actually do stuff whereby you can book the shoe online and then go to your nearest Foot Locker and collect it. Oh, damn. so that means like you can either skip the queue or you know you can see if the colors are available in this store. If it's not, you can check for the other store. So. They are quite creative in that sense, and that's why, like you know, it's 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 a it's an ever growing business because of these kind of small ideas. Like you know how you won't find this in maybe every other type of business, mm-hmm. but they saw the opportunity. They are like, actually, yeah, lah, customers who want to buy shoes, right? They want that in store feeling, right? Mm-hmm. But then, how do we merge that with the online presence? Because we need to be there also. Other people are in the online presence. We need to be there also. Yeah. So what they have done is they have come up with different options. So you can either buy direct. That means you just pay the money online and the shoe gets shipped to you, okay. or you can um, buy online and then go and collect at your another shop. Or there's a few other options actually. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. One more thing I would like to add to that is also. Once you buy your first shoe, right, and let's just say you are a big fan of Air Jordan ones like me, uh, mm. I know my size now, and the Air Jordans are all the same cut, right? Uh, mm. I know it's eight point five UK. I can just order an Air Jordans to my house this time around because I'm pretty comfortable that I know my size. The mm. first time is going to be tough because I don't really know the size. You know, Puma cut, Adidas cut, Nike cut is all different, right? Yeah. So. I have to go there and try it out. But once I know the size, the next time if I'm looking to load up on a, a, a new colorway or a new design or whatever Travis Scott design or whatever, then it it, it can just be bought online. And yeah. because it's such a hot item, right? Like what mm-hmm. you said, Nico, it can be booked online. It's amazing because yeah. you don't want to go there and just hear the guys tell you, "Oh, sold out, lah." Yeah, yeah. It, it pisses you off, honestly. Exactly. <laughs> But then you can say, "Hey, in the online store, got you know? Oh yeah, just only the guy buy any 30 minutes mm. ago. You get them angry, right? Yeah. So yeah, I understand. But let's understand a little bit more of the company. Mm-hmm. Well, fundamentally now, the core business acceptable. I would say it's 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 acceptable in today's era. The improvising is great. But what is more important in a company is their financials, right, Nico? Do you want to mm-hmm. run us through their financials? Um. Yeah, we can do a quick run through on your financials. So, um, revenue has been growing slightly, I would say. But of course, they had a dip in two thousand and twenty when people could no longer access stores, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, of their three thousand retail stores, I believe almost two thousand nine hundred plus is actually in malls. So, if people couldn't get to malls, you know, they would have a hard time to actually buy anything from Foot Locker. So mm-hmm. it's kind of acceptable uh, that you know they have a bit of a dip. Yeah. And then in terms of uh, margins, let's look at margins. They are doing about twenty nine to thirty percent in terms of gross margin. Is this And a software company? <laughs> I, I don't no, understand. No, what, no. What's why? Why is there such a big margin? Usually, products I mean, we don't see that big margin, right? 
Yeah, no, but I mean, essentially, it's they are just buying from suppliers and reselling, right? So uh-huh. these margins are actually okay. Like it's not really high. It's just I would say I would want them to do better. Yeah. Okay. So they're doing at about twenty nine to thirty percent, and mm-hmm. in terms of net profit, they're doing about six six percent somewhere there, six to nine percent. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's so sad. the net is, I believe, it's a bit low for their business model, but. You know, the, maybe the way they do things, the way they structure things, this is what they can work best with. Because uh, if they overprice things, also they'll lose out in market share, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's actually fine. But, yeah, in terms of revenue, they've been growing. In terms of net profit, however, has been fluctuating up and down because of, I believe, their operating costs. But one of the um, better aspects of this company and i believe it was also highlighted by you earlier when you mentioned the kinney story right Uh how um they don't take credit they take cash only right Uh so this company is cash rich as in their cash has been growing year over year for at about almost an 18 percent uh per year for the last five years so Uh what that means to us as investors is this cash can either be used to you know reinvest into the company pay out dividends which they do or Uh also they can further make acquisitions and merge with other companies right yeah plenty of options of what they can do and of course we talk about cash we have to talk about debt so they keep debt very low for a company that actually has a lot of uh, properties but i think this is so tied together in in that they are lease agreements are considered under liabilities and not so much of a debt. They're just servicing the lease liabilities throughout that as the time goes by. Because if you own a physical store, you have to buy the store, right? Whereas if you're in a mall, most of the time you don't really own the outlet. You can just Mm -hmm. lease it. So I believe most of their outlets are actually leased instead. Mm-hmm. it's wiser to lease an outlet anyways in case you want to move right you never know when the mall is dying True. we, we see a lot of mall in Malaysia that, that dies out right after yeah. a new mall gets built right beside it so yeah it's probably mm-hmm. the better idea but let's go on but at the same time like I think that's one of the risks in this company like, in, the, in the sense that you know they're all tied down with uh, lease agreements with the mall so they mentioned it in the annual report as well so it it's like they have to service it for the next couple of years even though like if it's not uh, doing too well or if they want to break contract you know then they'll have some fees to pay or some fines to pay or whatever but mm-hmm. let, let, let's see how they manage to ride through this whole thing la. whether okay. or not malls are still operational or they should fully shift online it's up to them mm-hmm. but another aspect that i think uh, our investors will be happy to list to hear about is that their total shares has been decreasing over the years meaning mm. that they do buy back shares again with the cash that they have managed to keep in hand they can buy back shares and mm-hmm. whenever a company buys back shares that means you as the investor if you had already bought before you now have a bigger piece of the pie so yeah it's overall very positive outlook on their financials i believe mm. i i have a little bit of a controversial statement to me Nicole, since we're mm. on a discussion right yeah sometimes right i feel like if a company is expanding and growing their business it's okay not to buy back shares just yet and yeah. it's okay not to pay out dividends right but mm. if the company is too rich and they don't buy back shares and they sell more shares then that's a bad sign right um not really so because you see a Part of the reason also that companies do buy back shares if they believe that their company is actually undervalued. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because then later on, when, you know, let's say currently it's trading at about $70, right? Later on, let's say it's trading at about $120. Mm-hmm. 
uh-huh. then um, uh, Foot Locker can then release more shares. They throw more shares into the market, right? And uh-huh. they gain the difference in that sense. Right, so, right. Understand. So, in a sense, when you see companies buying back shares, it should tell you that, you know, they also feel strongly that the company is either currently undervalued or will do better in the future. Right. I understand. Like, to your point as well, it's very true. In fast-growing companies, you don't want them spending money on themselves just buying back their shares. Mm-hmm. You would want them to, you know, plow into their uh, research and development or into getting higher figures in terms of revenue. But for a company like Foot Locker, they've been around for so long. I, I don't think there's a lot of room to grow. There is room to grow for sure, but I don't think there's a lot of room to grow. So the fact that they're buying back shares, it's more of a positive outlook than a negative one. Hmm. Speaking of room to grow, right, Nico? Let me ask hmm. you a question because I've been thinking about this since we discussed, I mean, we plan to discuss about Foot Locker. Hmm. Foot Locker is a relatively old company. It's like a grandpa in the stock market, right? <laughs> yeah. So when we talk about grandpa, usually there's always a life cycle in a business, right? Mm. Uh, like Alibaba tends to live until 2101 or whatever nonsense, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so every company have a life cycle. Do you mm-hmm. think Foot Locker is close to the end of their life cycle? Ooh, I, I just want. I want to ask. I just want to add this in as well because there uh-huh. are many companies that are close to the uh, their end of their life cycle. Like right. this is my personal opinion that I feel like oil and gas are slowly going to decline in the coming years. Mm-hmm. It won't. It won't be a rapid decline, uh, but we will see a decline in their revenue and the stuff like that, which is why we see a lot of uh, oil and gas companies de- decline in price. Right. Mm-hmm. So then I'm curious because three thousand. Uh, outlets and they're fluctuating around there it it seems like they have reached the peak of the, the, the their, their lifespan mm-hmm. yeah. so what do you think Nico? that's actually a very interesting question in terms of you know the age of a company and their life cycle it's always actually a hard question to answer because mm-hmm. it, it goes quite in detail into the business management and how they are you know uh, rebranding themselves or constantly changing and stuff like that so yeah. To me, the understanding is, regardless of the age of a company, if the company is innovative enough, it will be able to keep buying time. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they might be facing a twenty-year runway left, but then if they do a little bit of innovation, they change up something, they might then have a runway of twenty-five years. You know, yeah. so it's always um, hard to look for because you don't know if their experiments will work out or not, mm-hmm. but. Again, I, th- I think it's very positive, the feedback that I'm seeing from Foot Locker. So mm. a few things that I can mention now that, you know, gives me this uh, positive outlook on Foot Locker. Mm, the positive vibes, let's just call it. Good vibes, yeah. Of why I think Foot Locker will still be around is that, um, so, you know, in terms of uh, payments, right? Mm-hmm. The classic payments is always um, either you pay in cash or you pay in credit or use your debit card or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But currently, the hot fintech of the day is in uh, the buy now, pay later systems, right? They have mm-hmm. a lot of these uh, fintech companies coming up right now. And they offer services whereby they become the middleman and they determine credit ratings of the average guy, right? The average girl or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. then they give a kind of like micro loan to these people so that they can buy things that they want to buy. So... um. 
Food Locker actually is actually using the service called Klarna, which is one of the biggest companies in this buy now, pay later uh, sector. Okay. So you can expect that in the future, like people used to hold back from buying s- sneakers because you know they look at the price tag that's 500 bro 500 yeah. is like a quarter of my salary or you know yeah. um or it's like one month i can eat for 500 ringgit right mm-hmm. so now when you mix it together with these kind of buy now pay later schemes it makes it affordable for everybody to follow the trend right so i'm not sure whether it'll work out or not but the fact that an old company like food locker is giving new technology like this a chance is a positive indicator for me that you know they're trying to expand their runway mm-hmm. and a second uh point that i would like to highlight also is their business model right for this full locker right can you uh can you give me a brief understanding of what you see them how their relationship with their suppliers is like uh i believe that what they're doing is that they'll collect the sneakers and then they will sell it to the customers right that's the only thing i understand yeah correct so in a very general term that's exactly what they do they buy from suppliers they market it and then they sell it right so Mm -hmm. but if you go in detail basically what they do is they negotiate contracts with these companies suppliers and they get like volume discounts or cooperative advertising and you know uh sometimes they can even cancel orders or return excess stock so if they have stock that they haven't sold within a certain period they can actually return the stock and that was the old way of doing things you know that means every year they sit down and negotiate okay i want your hottest shoe i want 500 pairs for every store then you're guaranteed based on the contract that you agree but the last year right they actually started doing something with nike that i find very interesting they are actually running a drop shipping program with nike oh okay so we know what's drop shipping right drop shipping yeah. is basically you market a product you never touch the product and the sale goes through and you just collect the difference right uh-huh. so previously they would have contracts with the suppliers where they will um pay three four six months ahead and then the stock arrives at their warehouse they distribute and then they market it in their stores but in the last year they actually did a drop ship program with nike whereby they never had to touch physical products they never had to keep stock or inventory that's actually so a good thing right because it goes through they channel it to nike nike delivers to the customer yeah i think that's an amazing thing because whenever you are a business right the worst thing you want to have is too much stock on hand and mm-hmm. you, it takes up space uh space is actually uh rental you have to pay rental for space right you don't want yeah. to take up too much space and stuff like that so mm-hmm. the less item you have on hand and you can still sell it is actually a great thing for you yeah that, exactly yeah the, the so, ideal thing for a manufacturer to work right is like imagine imagine if you're a car manufacturer today and you are assembling a car you mm-hmm. want your tires to come right after the whole chassis is completed everything is completed and you just have to install it so that you don't have to keep 1 million tires in your in your factory it, it takes <laughs> yeah. up a lot of real estate you don't want that you want to fit them on out they go fit them on out they go so yeah. this is a great idea by um full locker yeah. yeah exactly so like when i read these things and i look at it right it goes back to your question of you know is this company it's an old company is it aging how many years does it have left so mm-hmm. when i see this kind of um, business ideas that they're implementing they're trying out and stuff like that right it, it gives me a very positive uh, view on where the company will be in the next few years it might not 
you know, grow into a huge market cap company, but it's not going to die. La. That's what I'm trying to say. They're doing, they're trying different, different things to keep them afloat or keep them ahead of their competition. Yep. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to add on to that is also, I totally agree with you because the only reason why companies fail like blackberry nokia i'd like to use them because they're <laughs> always at the top of my head is because they fail to innovate right mm-hmm. it, at the top of the game i remember nokia engage right uh, mm-hmm. top of the game uh, the first color screen was from nokia they were mm-hmm. innovative right look at them they, they were prime and the moment they stop innovating they think they get complacent and they they, are, they think that they're they're the big boys in the league they start to lose ground and when you lose too much ground you become irrelevant and once you become mm-hmm. irrelevant it's just a matter of time um yeah. when we see mm, innovations I want, uh, and technological adoptions is a very important term that we need to have in all companies to continue uh being relevant in the space that we are today because if i were to buy a shoe right today mm-hmm. and if i don't see them on having a website or an online store right i would this is my own thinking by the way uh, yeah. i don't i don't want to classify for everyone else i would think that they are not as superior as jd.com right that is yeah. my my own thinking it's it's just so stereotypical because everything is online right and if they don't innovate and they don't even create an online store which i wouldn't ever buy my shoe online anyways all right <laughs> yeah. but it's just because that everyone's online i expect to see you online as well Mm-hmm. and to see them having this buy now pay later feature is actually adopted by many companies uh peloton is one of the companies that the exercise thing where you can get like a bike for whatever price and you pay 44 dollars a month or whatever so mm-hmm. people are adopting this new strategy and i think it's amazing so going back to the topic right i asked you that question because i was hoping that you would answer that they are technology, they are adopting technology and they are innovating themselves, which is exactly what we want to hear as investors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think before we finish, right, I, do you have anything else you want to add into or you want to wrap up today's conversation, Nico? Um, yeah, I can probably throw in some more fun facts for our mm-hmm. listeners because I think fun facts are fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So like they have about five main suppliers. So mm-hmm. when you say something like that, you can expect that Nike, Adidas will be there uh, along yeah, with probably Puma and Reebok. And the one more, I'll just leave it up to our listeners to cut, try and put in their own brand to see if it makes the cut. But yeah, they have about five suppliers, but 75% of their stock and inventory comes from Nike alone. <laughs> so you can see how big of a company Nike is in the whole shoe game lah. Mm-hmm. In terms of uh, Nike shoes, we've already covered in our Nike analysis as well. You guys can go and check it out. But to have a reseller, which is Foot Locker, have 75% of your stock to be based on your brand, that just shows how big of a brand you are. Yeah. yeah. And but are you worried, Nico? If I were to ask you, because like as an investor, you don't want to see hmm. one source of your revenue coming in just by one company. If they pull out from you, then you're in deep shit, right? Yeah, true. I mean, that's a possibility, but I'm, I'm not too worried in the sense that um, both of these companies are American and both of them, these companies are 
old right they've uh-huh. been around at the, about the same time actually if you think uh-huh. about it it's like the, the grandpas uh, the bar yeah. drinking together right <laughs> yeah so they have their secrets they've had their good laughs they've uh-huh. had their unspeakable meetings so, <laughs> um, in that sense i'm not too worried about nike pulling out so to say especially because like i mentioned they just tried out a dropship program with nike like uh-huh. if they tried it with some other brand then i can say okay lah maybe their relationship not so good but if they are, if nike is willing to work together with them to try out new things to try and see if this business model works then i think they have a good relationship lah mm. mm. yep then another thing also is the foot locker actually has a better inventory turnover than nike oh So like okay. again in the Nike episode we did mention about how important inventory turnover is for retail stores because you know they bring in stock and they need to sell it out. Yeah. So inventory turnover is actually the number of times a store can sell out of the items. So let's say in the first of the month you bring in 1000 shoes at the end of the month you are left with zero shoes. That means you have turned over one time, right? Mhm. So the turnover rate will ma- be measured around the one year period and so they average about 3 to 5 times a year lah basically. But uh-huh. in the past I believe Fulaka has been doing better slightly better than Nike lah. In the sense where you have to understand also uh, Nike is much bigger so they have more stores, they have more um units yeah, and they, they have, have more, more storage and inventory yeah. right? And uh-huh. at the same time Fulaka has deals where they can actually return access or they can cancel orders and stuff like that. Yep. And also now especially with the drop shipping program they don't have to hold stock at all. <laughs> so yeah. yeah that 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 kind of explains why they have a lower turnover rate than Nike. Mm-hmm. And probably the last fun fact that I would like to include also is about their new loyalty program which they are trying out. They have a program called FLX and basically it's a program to gain and build a culture within Foot Locker to keep customers coming back and buying their shoes only at Foot Locker so currently i mean i think it's only one or two i'm not sure how many years they're in but i think about two years they have 17 million members um oh, that's, that's Andrew, do you know 17 million people <laughs> no i only i only know like two uh, you and oh. our editor <laughs> <laughs> close lah close almost lah <laughs> just 16 million people <laughs> yeah but yeah the FLX loyalty program it's a cool way of trying to keep people inside of their uh, food locker system so you know they give throw in stuff like free shipping or exclusive re- rewards or uh, you can get like a head start in front of other people when it comes to the new drops So let's say um Yeezys are dropping or the new Air Force 1s are dropping Air Force 2s uh-huh. or whatever right uh-huh. and then if you are a loyalty member if you are an FLX member you can probably get in earlier than other people are and that's actually have, pretty important to have Just 17 saying. million people already it's already like a big deal yeah so yeah i mean for me personally we can i think move to our final thoughts are but uh-huh. um For me I think the financials are very strong in this company but of course I would like to see them expand a bit more lah I think that they don't really take much risk but the risks that they are taking seem to be very calculated and seem to be paying off or in my opinion lah will pay off in the next few years you know trying out the buy now pay later programs starting up an FLX loyalty program you know trying out drop shipping with Nike how does that work 
they're taking risks here and there, but I feel it's very calculated risk. It's not going to be much of an exponential growth kind of a thing anymore. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but what about you, Andrew? What do you think about Foot Locker having visited an actual store now? <laughs> oh, um, yeah. How, how do you see this company, their financials? What do you think? First of all, uh, I would like to go back to the store. Uh, mm. Store is amazing. Uh, that, that I can tell you. The store is amazing. The vibe's amazing. Uh, things are well arranged. Uh, if you want to go to a store and you find things hard to find, then it's a pretty shit store. But if yeah. you go there and you find things easy and the most expensive products are in front, then it's a good store because mm. you're trying to bait people to buy the expensive ones. So, yes, I, uh, the store-wise, nothing wrong with it. But here's where I have a problem. I have two sides of mindsets, right? It's like a bipolar guy. I have <laughs> the value investing side and the growth investing side. Right. So for the growth investing side, this stock is probably not the best option for you. Mm-hmm. If you're a growth investor, not investment advice, by the way, uh, for yeah. me and Nico, whatever we're saying is not investment advice. We're just sharing our thought. If I, the growth investing side for me is probably not the best deal here because this stock is a pretty old stock, a $5 billion market cap. I don't see it growing that much. I see it growing steadily, but I don't see it growing exponentially. But here comes the other side, which is more logical and a safer and a wiser side, right? A little less speculating, more calculated. This is value investing, right? Reducing risk and in- increasing whatever knowledge that you have and correlating it with them, right? Mm-hmm. So with that, I want to say Foot Locker is an amazing stock. When we look at the financials, all, all, everything checks out. Good revenue, good PE, um, probably uh, I'm not probably they have good assets to debt and all of this stuff they ha- they are cash rich one of the most important thing in value investing is cash rich right if you don't have cash then it's probably a shit company mm-hmm. so as a value investor this is an amazing stock but also when we talk about life cycle right I also don't think that the company is going to die in the next 5 to 10 years I think there's still some fuel left in them mm-hmm. and with them innovating like Nico said earlier it's just them filling up the petrol tank every now and then. And like a car, you always have to fill up your petrol tank every time you move. And you mm-hmm. want to keep moving forward or else your car is just left to rust. So you don't want that or else some rat will go in and bite your tube. You don't want that, okay? <laughs> so you, you, uh... you, you don't want that. So I think it's a great company. It depends on the type of investor you are. Uh, mm. If you're a value investor, great play. If you're a growth investor, probably there are better options for you. That's my take. Hmm. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. quite agree with that take as well, actually. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see because I think probably in one of the future episodes, we'll end up doing JD.com as well. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be interesting to see having, you know, research Foot Locker, then how would it compare with JD.com and what JD.com is doing. Mm. So yeah, maybe if our listeners are interested in JD.com, you can let us know at our Instagram at mm. uh, ringgate to dollar underscore. Yeah, and, and probably we'll will line it. it up. Yeah, definitely. And right off the bat, it will be a very interesting debate, lah. Let's just say because JD.com is a Chinese company, and we all <laughs> love China, right? We all love China. Mm. So, with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode today, and remember to think before you invest, guys. Ciao. Happy investing. Bye. If you are still here at the end of the podcast, do follow this podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel to catch all the latest episodes from us. You can follow our Instagram page at ringgit to dollar underscore. Hope you enjoyed this podcast. I will see you in the next episode. 
But remember to always do your due diligence before investing. Till next time.